Black Knight Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening. Featured on the show this week, we have author and commentator Kirk McElhern, and he'll talk about the new threat of malware on the Mac platform, about Apple's iCloud service, and about the situation at Microsoft and Windows 8. We'll also hear from Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. All this and more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, is here. He's also among the security experts we call on when we hear about issues, particularly his focus on the Mac platform. And this week, Apple released a security update, which to me impresses me as Apple's attempt to get into the security software business by protecting you against a Trojan horse. What's the skinny on this? I think Apple's pretty hesitant about getting into the security software business per se. I think what happened is there was a lot of press about this fake antivirus that's going around. And to to be honest, yesterday, I was just doing some Google searches for some icons to put on my blog, and I came across one of them pretty easily. This was a Google text search. In Google Images, apparently, it's even easier to come across them. So these things are relatively widespread in terms of the number of people being exposed. Um, The number actually installing it, no one knows. But some journalists came up with figures suggesting from 60 to 120,000 people. This was a couple weeks ago. Wow, let's go and back up here because not every listener hears every show. Why don't you just summarize what the threat is and then we can go on. Okay, this is a fake antivirus. It's not a virus. It's not a worm. It's technically a Trojan horse. Very quickly, I'll explain what happens. You, you click on a link someplace, and this could be on a Google search, but even some websites. Apparently, ad networks are getting polluted by this. It takes you to a page that, in the very first version, showed like a Windows XP screen. And this is an old technique on Windows, the fake antivirus. And they quickly updated it to show a window in your browser that looks kind of like a finder window. You get an alert that says something like Apple Web Security has found viruses on your computer or something like that. You're asked if you want to fix it. And whether you click cancel or yes or no or whatever, it downloads this uh, Trojan horse. Now, the next step depends on your browser and your browser settings. So in Safari, in the general preferences, there's a setting that says open safe files after download. For some reason, Apple considers that a zip archive with an installer inside it is a safe file. So if you have this option checked, the file opens, the installer launches, and you're presented with an installer window. Neither you nor I would get taken in by this. But we both know that there are an awful lot of Mac users who aren't as experienced as us and who aren't as savvy. So they go through the process of the installation. Initially, they had to enter a password. Then a later version didn't even require a password. When that's finished, the actual fake antivirus launches. There have been four different names for this. The first was Mac Defender, then Mac Protector, then Mac Security, and the latest one is called Mac Guard. So you get a screen with an application that looks like a real Mac app. And it says it's scanning your computer and it displays these alerts saying that you've got viruses and these files are infected. Obviously, this is all bogus. It's just doing this to scare you. The next step is you want to click the button to clean your computer. And this opens up a web page where it asks you to enter a credit card number to pay for the software. Assuming you pay for the software, it's then all of a sudden going to claim that it's cleaned your computer, although you never had any malware most likely on the computer, certainly not the ones that it says. 
they've gotten 50, 60, or $80, depending on whether you buy, I think it's a, a one-year or a lifetime subscription or whatever, and they have your credit card number. On the Windows side, I've been told that these companies just get the money that you spend. They don't use your credit card number. They try to be careful because they have to go through payment processes and all this. One journalist reported that only 37% of people actually file claims about this sort of fake antivirus. So this is something that makes a lot of money. It's not a virus. Again, it doesn't spread in the sense of you install it. And it's it the placebo effect. It's something that is advertised as doing something useful, but it does nothing. Therefore, it's a fraud. It's sure. a con. Exactly. That's what it is. The problem, though, is that this is extremely widespread, and a lot of people are being confronted with this. A lot of people are installing it. Apple was getting a lot of heat on their forums. People were posting about it. And then one journalist, Ed Bott, who writes for ZDNet, got some contacts with Apple Care representatives saying how many calls they had and showed an internal document telling Apple's tech support people to never acknowledge that people have malware. This turned into a PR problem for Apple because all over the web, people were saying, well, there's this malware and Apple wants to pretend you don't have it. And I think this is the real reason why Apple came out with these updates to a system that they developed in Snow Leopard. The, the system itself to, to track uh, malicious files isn't new. Currently, though, there are only eight definitions in it, whereas, to be fair, I mean, the Mac platform is less infected than Windows, but there are a couple of dozen real types of malware out there. Okay, but the point is here, Apple put this capability in. It recognizes basically if you download a file that matches the identity string, it does what? It gives you an alert. Now, it depends on what program you use to download. If you use Safari, Mail, or iChat, they work with what's called a quarantine system that's built into Mac OS X. You, you've seen this. You download something with Safari, and you double-click it to open it, and, and the system says, you downloaded this from the Internet, from Site X on date Y. Are you sure you want to open it? This same quarantine system scans using signature files, which are pretty simple, and it'll tell you that this particular thing that you've downloaded is dangerous and you should put it in the trash if it matches the signature. Now, very interesting point here. All this is because Apple has an option in Safari called Open Safe Files After Downloading, and safe is in quotes, and it defines safe files as movies, pictures, sounds, PDF, and text documents, and disk images and other archives. Now, right. this would fit into other archives. It means you right. zip other a file, which is, of course, a standard, industry-standard way of compressing something. It right. used to have stuff it on the Mac. It's all zipped today. You know, if you remember that change when Apple... Uh, introduced zip archives into Mac OS X. Right. At that point, people didn't need stuff anymore because it was built into the OS. But you can be downloading this with a different application that doesn't work with the quarantine system. Um, I'm not exactly sure if Firefox and Chrome do or not. My guess is yes. But you could have you, Opera or iCab or another browser. You could download a file through an RSS reader. In that case, if the program doesn't have the hooks into the system to use the quarantine system, you won't get the alert. So the, the Apple system is extremely limited in its sort of efficacy um, because it's really protecting you only if you use their software and maybe some other programs. Okay, so if you're using another browser, and a lot of people do, does that mean that Apple's own built-in protections will never apply? You know, I'm not sure because I use Safari. Um, you, if you download something with um, Firefox and you see that you get the alert saying 
you know, you downloaded this from the internet or you're sure you want to open it, then that means that it's using it. Honestly, I haven't used Firefox in so long that I really don't know if it, if it uses this system or not. Okay. But that is something I guess we can all explore. But the point being here is that it all starts and ends with the user being convinced, persuaded, enticed, or scared to download something that really has no effect. And this is a common problem on the Windows platform. Yeah, you know, uh, when this, okay, uh, if we go back a couple of years when there was another Trojan called RS Plug, and, and this was basically what's called a DNS changer Trojan. Um, DNS means uh, domain name system. So it would change the it would change the server that your computer connects to to find the equivalent between a... It changed the server that your computer connects to to find DNS entries. And these are the things that make the um, relationship between, say, Apple.com and the actual numeric IP address. And so this is what, nothing that's secret. So, for example, I'll tell you that right. 184.107.46.186, enter that in your browser. What's going to happen? It's going to be translated to technightowl.com. We don't have to translate the fact that we're talking to Kirk McElhern. Kirk is an author and a commentator. And we'll have more in a moment. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, do write us. News at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We promise we read every message we get. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, so who is watching your home when you're not there? Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world-famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions. You can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $39 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realist, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. How would you like to rev up your metabolism and energy while lifting your spirits? Now a new healthy tea is available that will do just that, and it's called Zoom Tea. Zoom Tea was developed for a former welterweight boxing champion to increase his energy and focus in the ring. Zoom Tea is an alternative healthy pick-me-up that can replace coffee, common tea, or soda. Zoom Tea also helps remove radiation from the body, promotes weight loss, and is high in antioxidants. For a limited time, get our introductory price for a one-month supply of this amazing tea for just $20 or a two-month supply for only $35, and we'll pay the shipping and handling. Go to our website now and start feeling the healthy and energizing benefits from drinking Zoom Tea. Go to ZoomTea.com. That's ZoomTea.com. Or call toll-free 877-341-4769. 877-341-4769 today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We return with our friend Kirk McElhern. From France, in his palatial estate, a shack in the French Alps, I really want to go there. I hate driving under mountainous roads. I don't like it. So even traveling from Phoenix to Flagstaff, Arizona, where you climb 5,000 feet or something like that, I don't want to do it. I do it, but I don't want to do it. But anyway, we're talking about scareware, which is where you go and you see this pop-up in a browser saying, we've detected problems on your Mac or PC. You download something, you pay for it. It does nothing except collect your money. But as you were saying, before we go back to this, as you were saying earlier, the payment processor takes your credit card but doesn't use it for other purchases. It's not stealing the number. It's simply taking the purchase, processing it as if it was genuine, and that's it. This is what people seem to think is going on on the Windows side. I mean, it's very hard to follow up on this because so many credit card numbers are hijacked anyway. But it just doesn't seem, some people that I've talked to uh, in the industry don't think that they're doing this to steal credit card numbers, that they want to do this to get the money, I would almost say legally, 
by tricking you rather than stealing it and doing something else. Stealing a credit card number and selling it is a much more serious offense than just fooling you and, you know, shame on you or shame on me, whichever. But the point also being that in this case, the crime is very specific and very focused on selling you a product that performs useless functions. You know, I mean, I guess supposedly that they were caught... I guess they could say, yes, we are doing a real function where you are really scanning the computer and prove we're not. It's as if, I don't know, a vacuum cleaner salesman came to your house. I'm just thinking, you know, those, there's probably an Abbott and Costello movie where they sold vacuum cleaners and, and Costello comes in and sells, pours the dirt over and then the thing doesn't work. You know, it's something like that. They, they claim that you're infected and then what they're trying to sell you really doesn't do anything. It was all a setup. It was all a con. And it's relatively efficient. Now, I I was saying before about the previous Trojan horse that affected the Mac, a lot of people on Mac websites and forums were saying, oh, well, these Mac users are just stupid, that they're entering their password. And the other thing is the previous Trojan horses were generally served by porn sites. So, you know, you're twice as guilty if you go into a porn site and then you're stupid enough to put your password in. Now, this new thing is not only coming up on through Google searches, but it doesn't even need a password anymore. So there's been a real shift in the way the Mac press has looked at this. Instead of saying, well, Mac users are stupid if they fall for it, now some people are coming out and saying, well, you know, we're starting to realize that maybe it's not that simple, and there are a lot of unsophisticated people. Um, Adam Anks had an article in Tidbits where at the end of the article he would, he basically said that, that, that a lot of Mac journalists had, I think he, his expression was poo-pooed the problem, And he realized that while he still might not recommend that everyone use antivirus software, he's aware that there's a very large population of Mac users that are getting stuck with this. And rather than just saying that it's all their fault, it's really important to educate these people and to help them out. You know, people have been saying for years, uh, Apple market share is increasing, malware is going to start coming to the Mac. And it looks like this is really the time. Not only is this efficient techniques to deliver it, Um, But what we've seen is after Apple announced that they were doing an update, the very next day, there was a new variant of this malware that came out. And this was the one that didn't require a password. We're talking today on Thursday, and there was a new variant on either Tuesday or Wednesday. And Apple just came out Wednesday night with a new update to their signatures to trap this. So we're in a cat and mouse game now where Apple's got to run behind these people, and these people are seeing what Apple's doing and changing accordingly. Now, this is interesting here. Apple has put themselves into this game. Now, how do I know, by the way, that this was downloaded, that Apple is sending these updates daily, weekly, whenever, to update what strings, what infections or threats it detects? How do you know? You don't. Um, This goes on in the background, and you don't even get an alert to tell you that it's been updated. But Mm. you don't know how often it's going to get updated either. They're going to update it when they need to. We don't know if they're going to be updating for every variant. They don't have a system that is proactive. I mean, commercial antiviruses work with with a number of detection systems. Part of it is signature-based, which means they look for a certain string of code. But part of it also is based on other things, behavioral analysis, Um, They can make generic signatures that can cover different types, uh, you know, can cover a number of variants. Um, The problem with Apple's system is it's only signature-based, and it's actually the weakest form of malware detection. Because what we saw this week is no sooner did they issue the security update with the new new signatures that the, the malware creators made a new version that slipped through it. 
So one of the problems is the technology that Apple's using is certainly not an advanced technology. In fact, it's quite, it's the oldest technology to detect malware. And as long as the people writing this malware are making enough money that they want to keep ahead of the game, every time Apple makes an update, they're going to come up with a new variant. So this is like an endless process. It never ends. There's always going to be an update that's slightly different. Would that possibly force Apple to add software to detect not just a signature, but the behavior yeah, it, see, see, that's a totally different technology. I mean, again, this is how modern antivirus software works. It's, it uses a variety of techniques to detect things. Um, we're certainly not in a situation like in the Windows world. You know, Windows antiviruses now do updates to their malware definitions, virus definitions, whatever, every hour. Every hour? Yeah, and some of them are starting to use a cloud-based system now where basically every time they're scanning files, they're constantly communicating with their real-time definition updates in the cloud. So, you know, we're not there yet. We're, we're with a particular piece of malware with a number of variants. Um, the problem is that this looks like it's going to escalate. You know, the one thing that's important, too, is if you're communicating in the cloud constantly – it means a lot of traffic's being sent back and forth. It's got to slow down your PC if all this is going on. Yeah, it probably slows down the PC and it uses up some of your bandwidth depending on how fast your connection is. Um, you know, just I, I, read, I read something very interesting um, last week about this. Because you know, the big question is market share. Do, are people attacking the Mac market because Apple has market share? But someone pointed out that roughly 90% of Windows users have antiviruses installed. Now, remember that the vast majority of Windows PCs are used in businesses. So no one's going to put their credit card numbers in the businesses. It, it's a kind of different type of uh, computer to attack. But if you assume that the market share is 90% Windows, 10% Mac, and 90% of PCs have antiviruses, whereas very, a very small percentage of Macs have antiviruses. That means the potential market share of unprotected computers is roughly the same on the Windows side as on the Mac side. Ah, okay. We heard the phrase security through obscurity, which is very hard to say five times backwards. Exactly. So we'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. We're talking about... Security, comparing the Mac and the PC. So is the Mac open season from all those Internet criminals? We'll have to find out. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors. Meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible. To run and organize, use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen, making collaboration seamless. 
GoToMeeting is so easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, promo code podcast. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an AquaRain water filtration system. The American-made AquaRain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to Aquarain.com. That's 800-572-2051 or Aquarain.com. Every family needs an Aquarain. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. 
We return with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, and the question on the table, the Mac, something we've talked about for a few weeks now, ever since this Mac Defender Trojan horse arose, is the Mac now going to be the next big target? As you say, if you look at unprotected Windows PCs, and you look at the Mac user base where most people aren't running antivirus software, if the user base is the same, it says to the criminals, hey, the Mac's open season, let's go after it. Yeah, and I think there's two things. First of all, that the majority of Mac users don't have antivirus software. Um, the second thing is that Mac users don't have experience dealing with security issues because we haven't had these problems. Even back in the OS 9 days, you know, we did have some occasional um, viruses. If you remember the WDEF thing we would get from a floppy disk or whatever. And um, that was what they call a desktop virus. And I remember back like 1989, 1990, every disk we got was infected. But what did it actually do? How did it hurt I don't think it did anything. I think it was just like you don't wash your hands and you've got some germs on you. But I don't remember it ever deleting anything. The only malware that I ever got that did affect things was macroviruses and word files. Uh, (laughs) It's got to be Microsoft, of course. Yeah, since, since I'm a freelancer, and particularly back in the days when I was a full-time translator, I would be often exchanging files with clients. And these macroviruses would do things like remove a bunch of menus in Word and stuff like that. And you'd have to clean them out by getting rid of your normal template and then cleaning all your files. It was it was more of a headache than anything else. It didn't do actual damage to, to your operating system or anything. But those were the only ones that I ever saw that, that had any real effect. The, the, the WDEF and the there was another quick time thing. I don't remember what it was. And, but, you know, I'm sure like me, you ran um, disinfectant back in the day. Remember that free antivirus? And there was another one called Virus Detective. The author of Virus Detective, it was a shareware program. And the author would say, we should all practice safe hex. I'm serious. Okay. And it was a pretty decent program. It was more proactive than, for example, disinfectant. Of course, then we had Norton Antivirus. We still have it today. Yeah. the Mac, but they had a version then. The problem is when you'd run these programs on the older Macs, which didn't have the multitasking capability of Mac OS X, these virus software packages would all slow you down big time. Yeah, and, and that's not so much the case anymore, to be honest. I mean, we've got really fast computers today. When you look at the processors on, on some of the current Macs and you know multi-core computers and all that, um, they can handle an awful lot of stuff, so, so that's not really an issue. But but it's true that we have to practice safe computing, and it's certainly gotten to the stage where I would say that your average user, and, and I'm not talking about you and me, and you know, n- not the kind of people who read the Mac blogs and follow the websites and you know know how to go into the innards of their Mac, but your average computer user would probably do well to get some security software. We're on the cusp of something which has affected a lot of people. And again, these are unsavvy people that aren't aware of these kinds of threats that Windows users are maybe used to. It's going to continue. You know, again, these aren't viruses. We don't, we don't, viruses don't exist. Even on Windows, there, I don't think there's been any serious virus for a long time. All malware today is created to make money. That's all it is. Back in the day, you would get a virus, and the idea would be to display some sort of a message on the screen and, you know, wipe your hard disk just... Because you could do it. Um, that's it was finished. basically young people trying to show how smart they were in terms of programming. Exactly. Today, it's organized crime making money off of this. They have absolutely no desire to 
just show you something for the sake of show you something. They want to get money from you or or your credentials. Uh, on PC, one of the common things that Trojans installs is keyloggers. So they'll record what you type. And if you go to a bank site or Amazon and you enter a credit card number, this gets sent to a remote server and then they'll be able to use it. The other use, on, again, on, on Windows PCs is what's called bots to create botnets. And these are created to send out spam. So the people who are running them are getting paid to send out the spam, and they're sending them from tens of thousands of infected computers because if they sent them all from one computer, that computer would get blacklisted for sending all the spam. Mm. So all of this is about money. And you have to – everyone's connected to the Internet. There are always going to be threats. You go to a website today, and you don't know what's going to happen. There can be JavaScript vulnerabilities. You might click on a link to open a PDF and PDFs can be infected. Now, none of these are currently affecting the Mac, but Adobe's always updating um, Acrobat and Reader for PDF vulnerabilities. They're updating Flash very often. So all of these things exist on Windows. And, you know, for now, we've got a Trojan horse that, that preys on gullibility. Mac OS X is perhaps more secure than Windows. People who know Windows 7 say Windows 7 is more secure than Mac OS X, so I, I can't really comment on that. But... They've spotted the, the market, the Mac market, and, you know, they're starting to flex their muscles. And th- this is this could be a trial balloon to see how many people get infected. Um, but the fact that the malware writers are reacting so quickly after Apple really shows that there's a game of cat and mouse going on. And, and it doesn't suggest it's going to end very soon. Now, the real issue, of course, is on the part of the end user. Okay. Now, the end users need to be educated. Forget about the virus detection strings, because this is not something that just happens to infect your computer. You physically have to download an unsafe file for it to do its damage. Well, physically, no, because what's happening with this current fake antivirus is it downloads automatically. So you don't have to click something to download it. The download happens on its own. Um, however, if you don't have the open safe files things checked, then it's not gonna it's not gonna uncompress and it's not gonna launch the installer. But you're you're an average user. You don't know what's going on. You look in your downloads folder. You click on something. Oh, what's this? I don't know what it is, and I'm gonna find out. And it installs. And you think, ah, oh, yeah, I saw this site. It said Apple Web Security. It must be an Apple thing. So I'm gonna install it. See, this is the whole thing. Again, you said education. That's the point. People. People don't know what's going on in their computer. 90% of people don't know, you know. Power users know. They're the ones who say that all the rest are stupid. The others aren't stupid. They're just not experts with computers. They use them not to become power users, but to do things, to do email and surf the web and and watch videos and and listen to music and all that. How do you educate these people? It's kind of hard. Um, Some of them may be listening to this show. Some of them may be reading, you know, Macworld where, where I write. A lot of them don't. So it's, it's really tough. The, the first thing is don't ever install anything if you don't know what it is. If you weren't planning to install something, don't install it. That's the most important thing. The second is no matter what, don't give your credit card up for something that you're not expecting to have to pay for. Sure. And, and the third is probably if you do see something like this and you have some questions, go to a forum. Go to Apple's forums or Macworld forums or Tech Night Out Live forums and ask a question. Say, hey, I just saw this thing happen. Um, can someone explain it? If you go to the Apple forums um, where there's an awful lot of traffic, you'll probably get an answer really quickly. Okay, let's just kind of cut to the chase here. So your recommendation is at this point that Mac users in general should start considering 
acquiring malware protection software. Of course, there are free options at the Mac App Store, but they are not stuff that does things automatically in the background. You have to run them. Yeah, but- that's the limitation of the Mac App Store, that no program can, um, can do things automatically like that. So it, it, it's, it's a bit of a limit. The most important thing is really education. You see a file, you see a window open. Why is it opening? Do you know why? It's, did you expect it to open? If not, don't do anything. Click cancel, quit, whatever it is. Um, be aware that there are bad guys out there. Well, okay, that's the most important thing, that there are criminals out there. They're not in to do mischief anymore. That train has left the station. Nowadays, they have to look for schemes to take your money, okay? And yep. the only way to protect yourself, of course, is to get either be totally aware of everything you do on your computer, and even busy people can't do that. You know, right. expert Mac users can be fooled. If we're talking about five and six figures of downloads for this Mac Defender and its variants, it makes it very important to be up to date. If you have a comment or a question about the show, call us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We're talking to Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off. All there at devontechnologies.com, that's devontechnologies.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and Answer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Will I have garlic breath after I take LEC? 
We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Alley C. And the answer is, Alley C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Alley C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Alley C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boost resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Alley C. For more information and to order Alley C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Alley C. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, talking about Mac security, whether or not it has reached the point to get yourself some malware protection software, and maybe it has. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Now, the problem here, of course, is that some people in the media are inclined to say the sky is falling. See, the Mac was never safe to begin with, and now you're going to suffer the same fate as Windows users to the tune of billions of dollars a year. So what's the perspective on that? Well, you know, part of it is Apple's fault. Remember the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ad, um, you know, buy a Mac, there's no viruses. And, and Apple... Actually, it was kind of misleading. What I was saying was there was this Mac versus PC ad where it says there are 120,000 PC viruses, and maybe it's a lot more now, but not on a Mac which technically means there aren't 120,000 viruses in the Mac. <laughs> yeah, but Apple has always claimed either directly or indirectly that Macs don't have security issues, even though they have security features in the software. I mean, they have a built-in firewall. They have this, since Snow, they have this built-in malware checker. They've got a number of systems that are essential for security. And and this is normal because Macs are used in very important situations. On a business, imagine just simply you're running a business and you have to make sure that your computer doesn't get attacked so people can't steal your intellectual property. So they've always put 
some of the, they've put some of these features in, but they've never they, they've always had this sort of marketing tone that well, you know, you don't have to worry about malware, which to be fair, has been relatively true. Now, it's interesting because most of the people who do the sky is falling stuff are generally people who write about Windows. So it's like Mac users getting their comeuppance. On the other hand, some Mac writers are going too far, and particularly without an awareness of what was happening with this recent attack, saying that people are crying wolf when actually... They didn't realize that tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people were getting hit by this thing. I think there's a middle way between the two. I think the sky is not falling, but people aren't crying wolf. There is a serious attack with multiple variants, with reactive malware authors who are changing their malware to avoid detection. Um, We can't ignore this anymore. I think we have to understand that in between the two extremes, there is a place where we are right now. Uh, It's not the Windows world. It may never be. But it's not the way it was a month ago. Obviously, if you want the Mac platform to prosper and grow, you have to accept the consequences. Yeah, it's... Remember when everyone thought that Apple was going to die and all that? Things have come a long way, and, and in part, not so much because of the Mac, but because of the iPhone, the iPod... Um, you know, the the so-called halo effect. We've gotten to the point where even if Macs are 10% of market share, um, which isn't a lot, it's still a relatively high number when you consider that the majority of PCs are sold to businesses. And Um, also bear in mind is a very significant point here about the Mac market share. It represents higher income customers because the average transaction price of a Mac is way higher than the average transaction price for a Windows PC. Sure. Uh, I mean, you compare, I know my, my son is in university, and he had all these friends with these big-ass 17-inch portable PC laptop sort of desktops, but that are, you know, portable things. And, like, as thick as an 800-page book and as heavy as, you know, six phone books and all that. And these were things that they were paying roughly half the price of his 15-inch MacBook Pro. Um, what was interesting is that in the two years that he's been in this school, when, when he started, he was like the only person using a Mac. Um, and in the two years he's been there, he's converted a couple of dozen people. Um, a lot of them who bought these cheap 17-inch PC pseudo laptops that failed after a year. So, you know, in some cases you get what you pay for. You and I know that we've had Macs in some cases that have lasted an extremely long time, Um, we've both had PCs as well. They may or may not have lasted. Um, you know, it, it, I I think the question of, of, is it worth paying for a Mac? You know, that's not a question that we're going to argue. Um, but it's true that Mac users are generally more affluent because they're paying more for their computers. Um, iPhone users are more affluent than, you know, regular cell phone users. It's pretty expensive to, to have a smartphone contract. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a market that, as I said earlier, is not security savvy, but also, um, is certainly affluent enough to, you know, be worth trying to con. And we have to see how this shakes out. But in the meantime, well, it's time to start considering the antivirus options. As I said, you can get some free software from the app store for, you know, an occasional check, but with all the things happening, you may want to consider paying for it. That's the point. Yeah. Now, Apple this week tells us something that we kind of expected was going to happen. Obviously, Steve Jobs is going to do 
the keynote at the Worldwide Developers Conference, and a lot of people are downloading this show and listening. We'll be hearing this ahead of that. So some did, things we're going to say. say hold on, Gene. Did they say he's doing the keynote? I don't think they said that. They said he's going to be doing a presentation. I don't think they say he's doing right. the keynote. But I don't think I don't think he's doing the keynote. Um, I think he's going to present something, presumably the iCloud thing. Um, but they didn't say that he's doing the keynote. Knowing Steve Jobs, he's not going to say, hi there, here's my crew, goodbye. No, obviously, and, and he'll probably be the first one to come out, um, but he's probably going to present a couple of things and let other people do the rest. At the risk of the fact that a lot of people who hear the show are going to hear it after the fact. Okay, so let's just kind of keep it basically okay. brief. Okay, in advance of what's going to happen, let's put your predictions on the table what do we mean about iCloud and what are the potentials? Well, iCloud is, is a very perplexing thing. Um, and, and I've been reading what my colleagues have been opining and I've been discussing this with some people. And I, I see this in three directions that they can go and they may go in all three of them or not. Um, the first direction already exists with MobileMe. Uh, if you look at mobile me syncing, you can sync a lot of personal information, your calendars, your contacts, your email uh, accounts, um, and some third-party applications can hook into it. Now, this isn't a lot of data, but it's useful data. So if you can sync your calendars between your, your Mac and your iPad or your iPhone, um, it's extremely useful to be able to do this. They're certainly going to continue this. Um, there's no reason to stop it. Maybe they'll improve it, refine it, whatever. Um, but that's the first part. Now, the second part that a lot of people are suggesting, one of my colleagues at Macworld, Lex Friedman, wrote an article um, suggesting that um, what would really be useful is if iCloud some way copied the functionality of Dropbox. And so, by the way, I want to tell you, the person who's coming on our show right after you're finished. Is Lex? Yes. Hey, Lex, good to see you. <laughs> I see, I didn't even know that. So Lex is going to talk about this a little bit more. A but, little bit. We're going to basically keep it brief because we have other topics to talk about and because so much of it will be supplanted by the time right. you, we get the show into the hands of a lot of listeners or confirmed, depending what happens. Okay. So one of the things that Lex said is it would be really useful if I put a file in a, in a specific folder on my Mac and I can access it from my iPad. Now, you can sort of do this with Dropbox. Not all applications support it, um, but if Apple were to include a, a, a system-wide API so both Mac OS X and iOS can support this, you'd be able to exchange files much more easily than using the clunky system with iTunes or sending a file to your iPad by email, etc. Um, now, the third one, this is the biggie. This is music streaming. There's, there's enough... Um, rumors out there that Apple has made deals with the major labels. Um, now, we don't know if this is going to be, I think my, my Macworld colleague Chris Breen made a distinction between an active locker and a passive locker. So a digital locker is you're storing files and you can stream them on any kind of device. Um, if I understand correctly, the passive locker is where you store just a pointer to a file. So you upload your iTunes library file and the iCloud system knows that you have all this music, but you don't have to actually upload the files. An active locker is like what Amazon launched, where you actually have to put the files onto their server to be able to access them. Now, 
You know, some of us who are big music fans, we'd have a bit of a problem uploading our libraries. Um, my iTunes library, just the music part and, and not TV shows, podcasts and videos and stuff like that, um, is currently, let's see, we're going to do this live. Um, Isn't on. this I'm fun, gonna, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because the show is so spontaneous, we record the interviews and we don't go back and fix too many of the errors, except for mine, of course. All my errors disappear because I'm such a perfect person. But wow, Kirk McElhern is looking for this information. Let's do the break. Kirk McElhern joins us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return as Kirk McElhern seeks the data that will confirm everything he says is true from now and henceforth. I'm, just, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in a Tech Night Out Live, and I've got it too. I just hope it's not contagious. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was select. I had to select everything in my iTunes library. My current iTunes library, just music, is 446 gigabytes. Now it would take me a year to upload this. I have a hundred K upload on my uh, ADSL connection. It would take me a year, even if I wanted to upload a subset of my music, maybe a hundred gigs. We're still talking a huge amount of time. Um, now, obviously, not you know the the number of people who have iTunes library this size is a small percentage. And and to be fair, um, I think what Apple's going to be doing, no matter what, is for your average user who has maybe a 10 gigabyte iTunes library. But the issues here are, is it going to be an active locker or a passive locker? Is it going to be a locker? Is it just going to be a streaming service where you pay a subscription, which is an interesting concept as well? Um, For years, I was against it you know, wanting to own my music. But I'm one of these people who has broad listening tastes, and I would love to be able to listen to all kinds of music that I would maybe not want to buy. Isn't that part of the lure, supposedly, of these subscription services, is that you sample music, you listen to music, pay your $15 a fee with the hope you will upgrade to buying that music. Of course, a lot of people don't do that. But obviously, if you want to have the music after your subscription expires, you got to buy it. Yeah, but the, the question is, is your subscription going to expire? I mean, if you're satisfied with the service, you're going to keep it going. So what are you going to do? Say, decide that, okay, I don't like it anymore, and I'm going to let the subscription run out, so I have to buy everything that I did like on it? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
Well, that's the key. You don't have to buy it if you don't want to. But I think it's fair to say that for one reason or another, a lot of people are going to say, I can't keep the subscription up. Maybe this month, oh, gee, you know, I've got some bills, you know, the tax is due. I owe the IRS some of my tax money or in whatever country you live, you owe taxes, you owe property taxes, you have to pay for your child's education. You have other needs other than paying the $15 a month of whatever it is for your music subscription. So you have to give it up for a month. You know, this is normal. You know, so yeah, the point being here is that if you, if you if you care enough about the music, um, you'll find a way to listen to it. Either you'll pay for the subscription or you'll buy the music. I, I think that's a moot point. I think, you know, there, there are people who are real serious music fans and they want to own their music. It's their right. There are people like me who are real serious music fans but would be interested in being able to access music that I wouldn't necessarily want to buy um, without being aware of, to listen to, you know, I, I'm into classical music. We've talked about this. Maybe a composer I've never heard or I don't know very well. Um, at 10 bucks an album, you know, that's a huge budget. I'd be more than happy to pay 15 bucks a month to be able to access whatever I want or, you know, a good selection of music um, to allow me to try out things that I wouldn't otherwise like. If I end up buying them later, when I end the subscription, okay. If not, I've got enough music that I really, you know, wouldn't be a big deal. Well, we're not going to dwell on this very much because we have to see what Apple does. But right now, the problem with all these other services, and I guess the problem in the industry is Apple is never the first or very seldom the first to market with features. What they do instead is they wait for the market to shake out for the best products to appear. And then they decide, you know what? Okay, this is what's happening. Let's find a solution that actually works with all the capabilities that people need intact. So Apple wasn't the first with a digital music player. There were lots of other products out there before the iPod, but nobody was buying them. Apple wasn't the first with smartphones. They were selling pretty well. People had Blackberries. Apple wasn't first. They came in there. They changed the industry. Tablets. Microsoft has been pushing tablets as the next great thing for a decade. Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer, tablet, tablet, tablet. Nobody cared. So Apple doesn't always have to be first to market. They come into the market with a solution that works. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, that you know, there's some stuff that they've invented. I mean, even the iPhone. Well, the iPhone was probably a bigger shift from existing smartphones. But as you say, they didn't invent the MP3 player. Um, they invented the ecosystem. They invented the connection between an MP3 player and a piece of software called iTunes. And then they came out with the iTunes store. As you say, the tablets didn't invent them. They waited, they watched, they got user opinions to see how people were working with these things. And only then did they release it. And I think it's a very intelligent way to deal with products that cost a lot to develop and are, you know, big products. I mean, you look at the iPad, launching an iPad, doing the research, manufacturing it and all that. It, this is a huge investment. So they take their time, they do it right, and they do it better than others. And they don't always have the same features or all the features in the first iteration. They wait to come out with a better way of implementing those features. Yeah, and again, because I think they watch what other people are doing and see how people react and the kinds of complaints that they have, and it's the right way to do it. It really is. Okay, now this brings us to another thing now. You know, there's a Windows 8 
that's been demonstrated. Now, let me tell you, this is kind of weird. I don't know if you saw the demonstration. They're kind of grafting, I didn't see it, no, the, grafting I, the face of Windows Phone 7 with these tiled icons and yeah. putting it on the desktop. That's the yeah. surface effect. But it's so weird about Microsoft. First, you have Steve Ballmer, the CEO, saying, I call him beleaguered CEO, by the way. He's saying, <laughs> we have Windows 8 coming out next year. Then Microsoft says, well, we haven't named it yet. <laughs> you know, they're kind of like backtracking, walking back what the CEO says. Well, we haven't named it yet, and we don't have a release date. And then you have to think, if Steve Jobs made a statement and any one person, Apple's corporate communications department said, you know what, he didn't mean it that way, that person would maybe wait 30 seconds before the phone call from Steve saying goodbye. In a voice that makes even Donald Trump shudder, he'd say, you're fired. You know. Yeah. In fact, they should record Steve Jobs saying you're fired. I bet he does a better job than Donald Trump because Donald Trump is a bad actor. But mm-hmm. Steve Jobs knows how to fire people. But seriously. So we have Windows 8. We have Microsoft kind of grafting, trying to graft elements from Windows Phone 7 onto Windows. Whatever it will be called, whenever it will be out. The key is Microsoft is trying to ape Apple again. Apple's adding stuff from the iOS to Mac OS X line. Gee, Microsoft's got to do it too. I, I think uh, Microsoft's biggest mistake is that they're too dependent on Office. And they don't want to make a tablet OS where you can't use Office. So they want you to be able to use a mouse and a keyboard. And Apple saw it correctly that a tablet has to be not a PC without a keyboard, but a totally different device. And while it's not really always easy to, I don't know, use numbers on the iPad and enter data and stuff like that, it's not something that's designed for, it's not an OS that's designed for a desktop computer that's just shrunk onto a small window. And Jason Snow of Macworld pointed this out in his article about the demo that Microsoft seems to keep wanting to make their mobile OS to be another version of Windows rather than building a new OS. What they're trying to do is to have a Windows identity even where a Windows identity is not suitable. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, you know, what is their logic here? Because... They're not making the hardware like Apple, so their income is coming from different things. It's from selling Windows and it's from licensing it, you know, in OEM deals. Um, what is their logic to wanting to keep things so limited, as it were? In other words, not making something more appropriate. I mean, this is a huge company with a, an awful lot of intelligent people working there. Um, this kind of marketing decision is, is actually a bit odd um, when you consider it. You know, know, the other question we have to deal with here, as far as Microsoft is concerned, is that basically they don't have a vision. There's no corporate vision there. They keep repeating the same old mantras. They're going to catch up. They're going to do this, and they don't. And people don't take them seriously. I don't think many people on Wall Street take Microsoft seriously. When someone suggested that Steve Ballmer's got to go, Wall Street or a financial analyst you know what happened? Their stock went up because everybody agreed. We have Kirk yeah. McElhern. He's not going to go until we do the next segment. If you have a comment or a question about the show, call us. News at TechNightL.com. Once again, that's news at TechNightL.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah. 
Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. Its price is just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter. Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app You Gotta See This by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash see this. Would you like to rev up your metabolism and energy while lifting your spirits? Now a new healthy tea is available that will do just that, and it's called Zoom Tea. Zoom Tea was developed for a former welterweight boxing champion to increase his energy and focus in the ring. Zoom Tea is an alternative healthy pick-me-up that can replace coffee, common tea, or soda. Zoom Tea also helps remove radiation from the body, promotes weight loss, and is high in antioxidants. For a limited time, get our introductory price for a one-month supply of this amazing tea for just $20 or a two-month supply for only $35, and we'll pay the shipping and handling. Go to our website now and start feeling the healthy and energizing benefits from drinking Zoom Tea. Go to ZoomTea.com. That's ZoomTea.com. Or call toll-free 877-341-4769. 877-341-4769 today. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, here for a few minutes more. And we were talking about Microsoft, the lack of vision, and the fact that when an industry analyst, an investor, predicts that Steve Ballmer is a drag on Microsoft's stock, their stock goes up for the first time in years. So I think the investment community is saying Steve Ballmer doesn't get it. But even if Steve Ballmer left Microsoft tomorrow, the company is not going to change overnight. Even if you get this visionary CEO from wherever they get that guy or that gal, they have to basically reform the company from the ground up. They have to basically tear it apart and build it up again. Remember when Steve Jobs came back to Apple? Yeah. And he became CEO, had the palace coup and everything. Yeah. He basically threw out lots of stuff, people, everything. He basically tore apart the company and rebuilt it. And anybody yeah. who comes into Microsoft is going to have to do the same thing. They can't work within the existing structure because it's not going to work. It's going to be continuing the same old thing. It doesn't matter what musical chair is moved in the CEO office. If that CEO doesn't have the power to change, I mean change, that you yeah, can believe Apple, in, it's not going to happen. Apple was also a much smaller company back then. So there was a lot less cruft to get rid of. Um, the size Microsoft of Microsoft has a huge amount of cruft. you got to think that Microsoft spends on developing any version of Windows probably more money than Apple has ever spent on Mac OS X development, all the versions from 2000. Yeah, it's certainly possible. You have a huge amount of inertia in a company, and my guess is a lot of that inertia is in middle management. Um, you can't just come in and change the way things are done because people are used to it and they've invested in it and they've got, you know, th their jobs are at stake. So people are going to be protecting their jobs first before they're doing something to change a company. Um, and in a company that size, you, you don't change direction just overnight. So, uh, you know, what they need to do is set up a new division that's independent um, to start doing things and, you know, to get people who are not involved in what's existing, maybe even totally new employees. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, they do have a they, they have the lion's share of the market share. That's a terrible expression. But, you know, 90 percent of market share, they sell, you know, tons of windows and office licenses to business. That alone could be enough for Microsoft. I don't think that there's any threat to Microsoft's dominance of the business world. I don't think Apple wants to get into um, the sort of beige box, low-priced uh, computer for business. But things are going to change in the industry, and you're going to see more and more people using tablets for various work. I mean, think the biggest segment here, of course, is the top-down approach, where executives come into their offices with their iPads. You have a picture of President Obama just a week or two back. What does he have in his hand? He's got an iPad, too. Yeah. I mean, so what we're seeing here is that a lot of people who use personal computers now, the gray or vanilla boxes, the PC box, the classic Dell or HP, 
They might buy tablets, and the only tablet that makes sense, the only tablet that's selling anything is, of course, the iPad. Yeah, but I don't think this is going to replace computers. I think these are going to be used in addition to computers. Um, I don't see any reason why a tablet would be sufficient for someone working in an office. It's a good mobile device, and it can do a lot of what you need on the road. But no, I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't do my work in an office, you know, with a little screen of a tablet and the limited storage space and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think no matter what happens, you're going to have people um, still using PCs uh, or Macs, whichever, in offices, and the tablet will be in addition to that. But you also see PC sales are flat or declining. Mac sales are soaring. Mac's increase in sales to the government and to businesses is going up by leaps and bounds. Talking about increases, I think, in government sales of 144%. You know, so over the next five or 10 years, those numbers got to mean a lot. Yeah, but, you know, I, again, you, if you've got a call center, you're not buying iMacs for the people who are answering phones. Um, buy regular Macs, sure. You'll buy, like, a Mac you're, Mini. You're not buying them either. What, what you're doing is you're buying a PC, which is running one piece of software that the people are using. The, the people who are buying Macs in business are the executives. I mean, Macs are getting into businesses from the top down, not from the bottom up. The cheap computers aren't going to be Macs. They never will be. Uh, however, you've probably got a lot of executives who want Mac laptops. And that's where the sort of um, infiltration is occurring, where, you know, when, when top management says, I want a Mac laptop instead of a Dell, you know, IT has to get them a Mac laptop, period. So I think that that's where Mac sales are increasing in businesses. I think that you're never going to see Macs replacing the sort of appliance-type computers that run one or two applications or that a secretary uses to do word processing in a calendar, you know, things like that. There's no reason for a business to pay more for a Mac. And even though a Mac Mini is cheap, you can get a Dell for half the price of a Mac Mini. So there's really no reason for a business to pay more for what these computers are used for. You can, you can go into the argument of what it costs to support them and, and, and all that, but you know I, I think that at the end of the day, unless Apple comes out with a really, really cheap version of the Mac Mini aimed, you know, targeted at businesses, it's just not going to happen. Well, as far as Apple's concerned, it doesn't have to happen because if it, Mac exactly. sales keep going up at very large percentage rates... Apple doesn't care because they're selling at the high end. They're selling the laptops. They're selling, you know, to small businesses, to individuals, um, people who are willing to pay. They've got $60 billion in cash. They've got, you know, a huge profit margin. What more do they want? They don't want, I don't think they want to fight Microsoft. I don't think they ever really did. I think Microsoft will kill themselves. You know, I think I, I kind of see Microsoft as the new IBM. If you remember when IBM was, you know, the big blue in the 70s and then, you know, missed the boat with the PC revolution. Um, I think Microsoft is probably just going to die of, like, being obese and maybe be fall apart or be split up or some kind of thing like that. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. I, I mean, there's no real competitor in the market um, that can do anything. You know, I, I've been hearing for 10 years, oh, Linux is now ready for the desktop. I mean, they were saying that 10 years ago. They're saying it now. They said you know. that for tablets too, Microsoft. But I think just to cut to the chase, because we don't have much time left, is that Microsoft is going to be sitting on top of a market that's going to be slowly declining over the years. And they know that, which is why they're trying all this other stuff without a lot of success. You've got a new Take Control book out now, Kirk, about kind of a 
creation, word creation software? What is it? It's called Scrivener. It's one of the most amazing Mac programs there is. Um, it's a it's a word processor technically, but it was designed for creative writers. It's a it's a full writing environment where you can store your research documents. Um, you can organize parts of a long work in different ways and move them around very easily. Um, it's a it's a wonderful program. I've been using it for more than four years. Um, and I did this take control book, so take, take control of Scrivener 2, 2 is the latest version. It's very popular among people who write fiction, nonfiction. Um, people use it to write theses and, and, and you know, dissertations and things like that. Um, it's, it's a wonderful program, and the program is so popular among writers, and, you know, particularly in forums and things. On the Tech want- Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. We say to Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us this week on the show. Thanks, Jane. Bye. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com. That's zeoking.com for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an Aqua Rain water filtration system. The American-made Aqua Rain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster. 
faster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to Aquarain.com. That's 800-572-2051 or Aquarain.com. Every family needs an Aquarain. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Lex Friedman from Macworld. And as we speak, if you hear weird sounds, the lawnmower people, we don't say lawnmower man anymore because that's an old movie. If you remember that movie? Pierce Brosnan plays the scientist, and I forget the name of the actor who played the lawnmower man who underwent this experimentation to increase his mental power. I don't remember the name of the actor. I'll look it up at Internet Movie Database as we talk. Lex Friedman joins us from Macworld Magazine, and I caution you because we did this already with our segment with Kirk McElhern. We're going to speculate a little bit about what you might hear Steve Jobs and crew speak of at the Worldwide Developers Conference, the keynote. This is being recorded before that takes place. Many of you are hearing it after it takes place, so we'll all sound like idiots here. But since we don't mind sounding like idiots because people think that anyway, Lex Friedman, I have to tell you when it comes to idiocy, I resemble that remark. So go (laughs) ahead and give us your fearless speculation of what the people at Macworld are expecting about iCloud particularly. Well, I, I mean, iCloud, I mean, certainly Lion, I think there's less to worry about because or wonder about because it's been out there with developer previews for so long now. Now, we understand, ladies and gentlemen, Lion is the code name for Mac OS 10.7 that Apple has announced will be released supposedly very soon. Right. Sometime this summer, they say. And I wouldn't be surprised to get a firmer release date, you know, at WWDC. But uh, to me, the, the, the real excitement is going to be iCloud, because I think iCloud is going to touch on the Mac side. It's going to touch on the iOS side. And, um, you know, Chris Breen has written a couple pieces now on the site suggesting, you know, or, or really wishing that iCloud is going to relate a lot to the music locker side, where Amazon and Google have both been trying to insinuate themselves as well. So you'll be able to somehow put your music in the cloud or access your music from the cloud 
SoundCloud and really just um, be able to then stream music wherever you are to whatever Apple-branded device you have without needing to load it all onto your Mac or onto your iPhone. Now, Uh, one thing I wonder, parenthetically, Lex, is that with these other companies, they rush to get something to market before it's finished, before it's ready, because they got to be number one. And Apple doesn't live in that universe. Exactly. Apple does everything at its own pace, and it doesn't do it. It doesn't make decisions. It doesn't make press statements. You know, it doesn't release products. It doesn't. It doesn't make press announcements. It doesn't do anything before it's time. You know, it's, it's Apple's always willing to take its time before it makes any kind of decision or product release. The one exception I'm thinking of is, you know, with the initial rollout of Mobile Me, as I recall, they had all kinds of problems, and that one was maybe before its time. So I, I'm thinking with iCloud, they're going to get it right. Well, they have to because remember what the story is about what Steve Jobs did. You know, he brings together the mobile meet team in this auditorium. He gives them a dressing down. And understand when Steve Jobs gives people a dressing down, he's very frank, very blunt about it. And he fired the manager in charge of that division, right? Right, right. Named a new manager at that, at that dressing down. But I mean, so... Maybe like Microsoft said, should be doing that too. They'd be doing a lot better with a few dressing downs. Unfortunately, the people who need to be dressed down the most are the people who do most of the dressing down there, I'd imagine. I expect, I mean, that was something that Kirk and I discussed in a previous segment about getting rid of Steve Ballmer. But then you have to get rid of a whole host of executives and, you know, just tear that company apart like Steve Jobs did with Apple when he took over. All right. So we continue here about the fact that these other companies bring a solution that's half-baked because they have to be first to market no matter what. And Apple now with with uh, with iCloud, if assuming it does in some way relate to iTunes or relate to music storage, I know patently Apple uh, a couple weeks back published um, an older patent filing from Apple, but that seems to relate to all this, where it's a, a patent that involves uh, storing the first 30 seconds of a song on your device, let's say your iPhone, and streaming the rest. So that way, if Apple knows what songs you have and it can put just the first 30 seconds or so, then each time you start a new song, it can do all the buffering while you're listening to the part that's already there on the device and then stream the rest once it's caught up, which is a pretty Assuming you have a fast enough internet connection to do that. Right, right. And so I I, I think that, you know, the the point of the patent was that their hope was that 30 seconds would be enough to to get you the next piece of song. But, um, I mean, that's an interesting approach. And and that's, like I said, that's what Chris Breen wrote about, where his his big vision and hope for iCloud is that it's going to be iTunes-focused. My own perspective is actually a little bit different. I'm really hoping for a, a universal and transparent and system-wide Dropbox-style syncing mechanism. That, that is what will be iCloud. Meaning, without having to put my files in a special place like you do with Dropbox, or without having to you know, specifically store files in any unique way or give them special permissions, I just want to be able to save files and then open them from my iPad or open them on my iPhone. And any updates I make on any device are going to be seamlessly and instantly updated across all of my devices, as long as that file is, you know, stored somehow via iCloud. I think the thing I wonder about something like that is with all cloud-based services, we've seen failures. We've seen failures from Google. We've seen failures from Amazon and especially Microsoft. They're exchange servers where they host an exchange server email system for customers, those who don't want to host their own, they failed. So we know Apple spent over a billion dollars building this huge server farm, which is basically just racks and racks of computer servers in right. North Carolina. But they can't like guarantee against failure. I like to imagine that whole facility is filled with Mac minis. Uh, but no, I mean, you're right. They, uh, 
they can't guarantee against failure. And, you know, to me, it's much like Dropbox, where Dropbox works for me, I don't know, something like 98% of the time. I almost never notice a Dropbox issue. But when you do, the file is still, the, the way that that technology works is the files are stored locally per machine. But then they can also be updated dynamically via the, you know, via the Internet. So, you know, if the worst case scenario is during downtime that the file, I have to, only work on my local copy and it won't seamlessly update until the service is restored. That's, you know, a lot better than if it's simply a remote drive that if, as, if it goes away, I can't get to the file at all. Now, that's, of course, one of the real difficulties here. As a practical matter, what's happening in the industry is they're trying to basically abstract the difference between local and cloud. It shouldn't matter whether your file is on your computer or on someone else's computer a thousand miles away. It should be transparent. But until we have really, really wide, super fast broadband access for the masses, it's going to be a problem. Right. I mean, and this this is where I think, you know, Apple's patience and Apple's general technical expertise can really pay off because there are ways to make it so that, the say, the bandwidth issue for one is less of a problem. You know, if I if I. Uh, add a couple sentences to uh, a lengthy document, or if I edit a few minutes of a movie, the whole thing shouldn't need to be synced up again, right? It should only be syncing the diffs, the changes to the file that I've made, and optimizing its bandwidth that way. Well, Apple's doing that with Lion, by right? Recording different versions of a document. Exactly. With uh, autosave and, and versions, they're going to keep every iteration, every save point. You're, it's, in fact, the, I think my favorite new feature of Line, I'm willing to stake it now, is that autosave where you, you, I'm finally going to be able to shed my command S tick and just uh, let, the, let the computer handle saving for me, which is you know what Google Docs done for a couple of years already. Well, you know, of course, there have been autosave add-ons to the Mac OS for years, back to the late 80s and 90s. But they tend to be a little bit buggy. This way, Apple is, after all these years, recognizing they have to have the solution. And it's to me, it's I, I don't know, Gene, if you're a, a stickies user. I know many Mac users are. And the most no, magic no, thing. No, I'm not, actually. <laughs> stickies, know, the, by the way, is these little tiny Post-it notes that you throw all over your Mac's desktop. I, I've seen many Mac users who clutter their desktop with the things. But what, what, what I think draws people to stickies more than anything else is that, like Lion will theoretically make every app, they're seamless. There is no saving. There's no notion of, you know, save your changes. It's, you type it, it's saved, and it's there forever. There is no, there's no command S option. There's no save option in the file menu in stickies. Every Everything is just there. And taking that approach and, and putting it system-wide, I think, is very smart, very indicative of how we use and expect computers to work, I think, in 2011. And, uh, I mean, I just think the, the fact that my kids aren't going to have to worry about their term papers getting lost the way I did throughout high school, I think, is, is wonderful. So right now, I want to just get this straightened out as we progress towards our break. You're confessing, Lex Friedman, that sometimes when you went to high school, which has to be just a few years ago, <laughs> Although you have kids, so obviously not a few years ago, you lost a few of those term papers. Really, not just because of the excuse that you didn't do them. No, I, I, I'm willing to admit I genuinely did lose documents um, because of poor saving. Uh, t- you know, but I hadn't yet honed my, my Command S tick back in the day. And I, I'll I tell you what, we'll documents. get to Command S automatically and otherwise. With Lex Friedman from Macworld, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah. 
Devin Fink is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devin Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devintechnologies.com. That's devintechnologies.com. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroit to 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine, and we're focusing on the things that may have happened already about the cloud, about the things in Mac OS X line to help empower you to be a better personal computer user. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night on Live. So Apple gives you the automatic saving feature, which can be disabled, I gather. Now, this is something you have to wonder, though, that features like this or version where it stores different states of a document for right. a certain period of time so you can go back, well, I don't like that paragraph. Let me go back to the version I did an hour ago or the version I did of the artwork. This is stuff that third parties have had for years. So why does it take so many years for Apple to get it? It's a tough question. And I mean, I think you made this point in the previous segment, Gene, where it's, you know, when you talk about autosaving, and there are plenty of autosaving third-party utilities, all of those worked by mimicking command S, right? They all pretended that you had gone to the file menu and chosen save, even though you hadn't. And that's it was how- basically like a background command S. Right, exactly. So it was, uh, you know, a little software utility hitting that key combination for you. And I think this, a similar thing is happening with, you know, utilities today that do versioning where they try to, you know, each time you save a file, they try to make a note, say, okay, you just save this one and here's the time and let me make this little copy of it so that I can keep it for you forever. And that, that worked, but it's, it's a hack. It's a workaround. What Apple's done now is with Line, it's really baking that in not just for Apple's apps, but available to any developer who's developing any software for the Mac. As easily as they can create an open dialog box, they can create, you know, the ability to autosave and they can create the ability to save versions of your file. And I think, you know, baking it in at that depth is what took time and um, is why Apple doesn't, I don't think Apple has to feel any guilt about putting those developers out of business because they're not just taking what that developer used to do. They're doing it much, much better than that developer ever could or did. Well, of course, the thing is, if you built the operating system, you have controls they can't have. Exactly right. Okay, so we have these features. Is that the most compelling part of Lion, or is it all that visual eye candy? I think that the one of the most significant pieces of Lion isn't the eye candy as much as it is the hand candy. You know, the last time I was on your show, we talked about uh, the magic mouse, and I think that the... Uh, the way that Lion attempts to put multi-touch gestures like you use on the iPad and the iPhone and put that into the Mac desktop experience is the, the single most you know, game-changing element of the operating system. Yeah, that's one thing, too. I still basically am not a Magic Trackpad fan. You know, right. I still like the mouse. And and I think you're going to be safe for a while. I think that, you know, for the next couple of years, you're going to be able to keep using your mouse as much as you'd like. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if whether Apple keeps going with cats or enters a new realm of animals, whatever follows Lion and then comes next, the same way that Apple's, you know, shedding Rosetta, shedding PowerPC app support with with Lion, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple years down the road they shed normal mouse support. And if you want to use a Mac and be able to do everything you can do, you need to have some sort of trackpad so that you can do those gestures. Well, I hope not. Not because of the impact to Logitech and other people who make third-party mice, but because of people who want to do it their way, not the Apple way. It's not the same thing always. 
And no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I, I imagine that even if you needed to use multi-touch gestures for some things that, you know, folks who, and I think a lot of artists feel the way you do, or if I'm going to draw on the screen, it's easier with a mouse than with anything else. I, I think you'll still be able to plug those in, but it just wouldn't surprise me if the only way to trigger certain actions on the Mac were with multi-touch gestures. And that, that, I think that's actually true with Lion already. You know, with Lion, as you can on the iPhone, you can double tap on a web page to zoom in on that part of it. The same way you do it on the iPhone or the iPad, you can now do in Lion. I don't know that there's any key combination or other mouse combination to mimic that precise behavior. So, I mean, I, I, my, I feel like that's telling, that, that that's the direction Apple's going. Okay. Of course, part of it is to empower computer users to teach them how to do new things or how to get their work done faster. Isn't it all about just getting your work done faster? The rest of it doesn't mean anything. I mean, in many ways, I feel like we've peaked on how fast we can go. You know, our computers can keep getting faster, but there's a limit to how fast you and I can operate. Uh, so I don't know if it's as much about making you faster as much as it is making you feel like things are going faster or, you know, just feel more intimately involved with what you're doing. You know, people often think, in my experience, that their iPads are super fast. And I think that's, you know, the iPads are using much slower processors than our Macs are, but the way they work where they're so singularly focused task by task or, you know, you just press the home button to quit and then you go right back and there's no other things, you know, visual distraction or anything else. I think that makes the whole process feel a little bit faster or feel snappier. And I think that that's a little bit of where lines headed in terms of just trying to make things, if not practically faster, emotionally faster. Well, the other thing too, if you learn a skill on an iPhone, an iPod touch or an iPad, and some of that skill could be taken to the Mac, it makes it easier for you to go from one to the other. And I make this argument, for example, today, Apple's aluminum keyboards, all their keyboards feel like notebook keyboards, the same kind of feel, the same kind of keypads and everything. And part of that is not just to cheapen the price of components so they buy more of the same kinds of membrane switches. It's to make you feel that when you go from the notebook to the desktop and back again, you don't have to stop and think and relearn your skills. Right. The keys are in the same place and they feel exactly the same way. You see, I know all this stuff. Yeah, no, you're good. And, I know. And I think you're exactly right. It's not, it's, you know, bringing some of the iOS feel to the Mac is a very intentional step. Like every, every quarter, Apple puts out a statistic on their earnings call where they say, you know, in the, in the past quarter, 50% of the people who bought new Macs, it was their first Mac. They were new to the Mac, and, which is an incredible statistic, particularly given how many consecutive quarters the company has been saying that. And I think, you know, now they're getting all this halo effect from iOS adopters who are like, wow, Apple really is better than what I'm used to. I'm going to go get a Mac for my next computer. I think you're right that, you know, this is helping ease their transition to the Mac even further now will be the fact that it behaves a lot more like the iPad or iPhone that they're already used to. One thing that Kirk McElhern and I were talking about in the past segment is Microsoft releases this preview of Windows 8. Now, we went into the fact that Steve Ballmer said they're working on Windows 8, and Microsoft's PR says, no, he didn't mean that, and obviously they did mean that, so the PR department should all be fired over at Microsoft, I think. In the meantime here, they're trying to do some of that too, trying to graft certain elements of the interface of Windows Phone 7, put them on Windows 8 to make them more similar. Yes. And, I, I, you know, both uh, Jason Snell at Macworld and John Gruber over at Daring Fireball wrote what I think are really great analyses of the whole direction Microsoft is taking, uh, where it's, you know, clearly influenced by what Apple's doing. They're clearly saying, you know, my goodness, we're way behind. We've been trying to get tablet computers accepted for years and years, and we've clearly gone about it all the wrong way because look at Apple's success. But 
you know, as as Jason put it, you know, they're they're afraid to be bold. Where instead of just making a, a brand new computer with a or a brand new tablet with a, a totally new operating system, they're saying it's really it's running Windows. You know, so really you can just keep running your standard copy of Microsoft Excel on it, and if you want to plug in a mouse, you can plug in a mouse. And that's not how the iPad works, and it's not the right way to compete with the iPad. It's basically playing lip service. You say here's the veneer of Windows Phone Seven, but it's still Windows, folks. Exactly. And I mean, there's folks who depend on Windows and who love it, who are going to say, you know, this this is what I need in a tablet. And I think that they're going to the, the number of people who say that are going to be about the same number of people who've bought every previous tablet Microsoft's attempt to have happen. Well, of course, Microsoft has always been late to the party and getting later. And you have to think here. OK, so they're not saying when Windows 8 will be here. So we know we have the iOS 5 is going to be out in weeks, Lion, etc. But Microsoft is all this vaporware. They always do this. They always say, look at this great technology we're working on. going to be the best thing on the planet. And it's always late and always has less features than Microsoft announces or something is wrong. So they haven't learned they have to have a new playbook. It's the same playbook they've taken for years and used. Exactly right. And I mean, it's at this point. And this could certainly change. And in fact, I even root for it to change because more competition for everybody makes everybody better. But at this point, I, I feel like Microsoft's not just offering too little in terms of having a crippling themselves by saying, we're really just going to put all this on top of Windows. So it's the same thing you've known and either loved or loathed for so many years. Bloat and more bloat. Right. But they're, they're doing it. You know, it's 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 they're considerably too late. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Android tablets, but clearly, you know, um, Google is way ahead here. And I, right now it feels to me like a two company race with a couple of hangers on. I think even Google's saying that. They're saying even though they've had competitive problems with Apple, they basically look at Apple and Google doing their thing and then everybody else sort of in the background. Exactly right. Which is, I guess, unfortunate for them, but that's how it goes. Right. And I mean, I've said this over and over again, and I I maintain that, you know, I root for Microsoft to be successful, just like I root for RIM to figure something out besides their miserable playbook. But I mean, if... If these companies can create better alternatives or, or you know, better takes on what tablet computing is or should be or should become, that just spurs Apple to be better, too, and everybody wins. And, of course, the big dilemma here is all the things that Microsoft is spending a boatload of money on, will they justify that? They're spending $8.5 billion on the Skype acquisition, as we've discussed before. Is that going to be worth it? We have Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. A lot more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Speaking from his palatial estate, all our guests live in palatial estates except for me, your friendly host. I live where I live, you know, in a shack somewhere. My wife calls it a shack. She says, we need a bigger home. <laughs> Lex Friedman, of course, works with Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live. And we're kind of looking at all the initiatives that Microsoft announces over the years. Look at this wonderful stuff. And by the time it gets here, it's a year or two later, and they basically overpromise and underdeliver precisely the opposite of what Apple does. That's right. It's a very bad combination. And, you know, when you're playing catch-up to, are they playing catch-up to the initial iPad? Are they playing catch-up catch up to the iPad 2? And they, they, they haven't seen iOS 5. They're, so that tells me that whatever they've shown us this week, you know, they're, now they're going to be behind. So I'm, I'm expecting big things from Apple uh, at WWDC in terms of iOS 5. And I'm sure that as soon as everybody sees it, we're all going to be desperate for it to be released so we can install it on all our devices. But when you're not just playing catch-up, but playing catch-up to you know what's going to be at least one or two iterations old by the time your product is released, that's a really tough problem. Also, you have to think Microsoft did it this week because they wanted to get something out there before Apple, ahead of Apple, saying, see, we're doing something, too. Because otherwise, if Microsoft is silent, then, of course, there's no gain for them. They lose everything. Now, they at least get a couple of short headlines before everything is all about Apple and everybody forgets about Microsoft. Micro who? And the truth is, you know, the, everything, all the reporting I've seen on Microsoft's announcements has been from the tech sites. You know, very little mainstream, true mainstream press coverage. And I think that when Apple puts on its song and dance, everybody covers it. You know, CNN will have a story and it'll be everywhere. Whether you're a conservative, liberal, your favorite 24-7 cable news outlet's going to talk about Apple. I mean, this week Fox News was boasting how well they're iOS apps we're doing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. That's. I think the number one reason that people ever refer to that Steve Jobs reality distortion field. It's something about it compels everybody to talk to it, regardless of who they are. It's something living and organic that makes you just want to talk about it, and the press is no exception. You know, it's funny. We occasionally get these comments from listeners. Not so much an email. They always wait to post it on iTunes. <laughs> they have reviews of the Tech Night Out Live. And they say, of course, they complain about commercials. It's a commercial radio broadcast. We have ads. That's how it goes, folks. They say, it's all about Apple. Well, no, it's not all about Apple. We cover a lot of stuff. I remember just the previous week's show, we were talking about gadgets for dads and grads. We were talking about 3D TV, inkjet printers, lots of stuff, not just Apple. But then who gets the most coverage of any tech company on the planet? And it's not because Steve Jobs makes the entire media do that. It's because of what Apple does, not because of the name Apple and not because of Steve Jobs, except for his influence on the company and how he runs it. Exactly right. And at the same time, though, I'd say that, you know, folks who fear that 
Apple won't be able to survive once Steve Jobs decides he's no longer going to be at Apple. I think they're wrong. I think that Jobs has done so much to influence the entire direction of the company and the, the, the blood of how Apple does its thing and thinks about products and makes products that the, the company will do just fine, even without Steve. I'm sure he's had to have made plans. He made plans when he was diagnosed originally with pancreatic cancer because he knew that no matter what, best of both worlds, his time on this planet would be somewhat limited. Sure. So and that's I, where it goes. And I, I mean, Apple, he's, he's handpicked most of his senior management team, if not all of his senior management team. And I, I, I don't, I would suspect, I, obviously, no one can speak for Steve Jobs, perhaps not even Steve Jobs himself. But I also suspect that he feels quite comfortable with the folks he's put around him who would take over in his stead. They've all had the chance to drink the Apple Kool-Aid, you know. They're filled with it. I mean, you have to look at basically Tim Cook, the operating officer, the guy who is basically does all the nuts and bolts of Apple, keeps the engine running. And if you listen to what he says, there's no difference whatever in message. Everybody at Apple is on message. It's not like these other companies where you have variances or you have a situation like with Research in Motion. The founders are the co-CEOs because they couldn't agree amongst themselves which person would be the CEO and who would be the CFO or the COO or the chairman of the board. Couldn't agree. Had to be co-CEOs. They have no message. They have no vision. And nobody's buying their products. There was a story this week that production of the so-called iPad killers, all of them, (laughs) Motorola, Samsung, RIM, Research in Motion, production targets are going down because they know they can't sell enough. It's amazing. And, it's, and you know, we, we talked about this the last time I was here, but it's, it's such a challenge to try to compete with the iPad by making something else that you're considering an alternative to the iPad. And, and as I said then, and I maintain now, Barnes & Noble with its Nook, you, you wouldn't think of Barnes & Noble as being the right company to compete with Apple. They're competing, I think, by saying, we're going to make a product on our own terms. We're not going to try to rip off or look like or emulate what the iPad does. We're going to do something more niche. We're going to make a, an e-reader, and we're going to give it some extra tablet functionality. And I think that's smart. I think trying to say, Apple's doing an iPad, right? I'm not going to try to do an iPad. I'm going to try to do something different is the right approach. Instead of putting out something called the other iPad, with a few flourishes or differences, which is what Android is. Android is the other iPad or the other iPhone. It's basically a dead-on attempt to basically take away from Apple's thunder. And to Microsoft's credit, you know, the things that they're doing with um, Windows Phone 7 and what they showed with Windows 8, they're not, I think, just knocking off the iPhone the same way that Android does. You know, Android really, you look at it and it looks very much like an iPhone, the operating system. But Microsoft's gone a different direction where they don't use app icons. They have these tiles, these bigger tapping targets and, you know, a different sort of interface. And it's it's not my preference, but I like that they're thinking about it in a different way, and i, I got to give them credit for that. Well, whether it translates to anything that means sales, I guess we won't know. But again, whatever you see today, it's going to be way, way out of date by the time it really happens. Let's move into some other interesting news here. On the iOS front, there's this company that's suing developers. Loadsys. iOS software. Loadsys. Who the heck are they? Well, Loadsys, as far as I can tell, is mostly one guy. Uh, the CEO is named Mark Small. So maybe they, it's load rather than load sys. Right. <laughs> they, and, you know, Sorry they, about um, that, folks. This is a family show. Forgive what I said. <laughs> they, um, you know, uh, load sys owns a couple of patents. 
First, they sent out some threatening letters to various iOS developers saying, your use of various technologies in your app, like in-app purchasing or having a promotion in the app that suggests people upgrade to get more features, these infringe upon our patents. And so we'll give you 21 days and you have to license these patents from us. And they want you know, some small percentage of app sales. Less than 1% of app sale dollars is what uh, Lotus is asking for. But these developers were, of course, panicking because they uh, didn't know why, whether this was true, whether they would be liable, whether they had to give this cut, especially because Lotus has only been sending letters to small-time developers. So a couple weeks after the initial letters went out, Apple publicly responded. They sent a letter back to Lotus saying, you're writing to our developers, but as you know, Apple, the company, has already licensed your patents, and we believe that our patent license covers all of our developers as well, because all the patents that Lotus was alleging were being infringed, Apple claims rely on Apple-hosted technology. So if you're doing in-app purchasing, your app uses Apple's hosted APIs, so Apple's license for the patents covers all the actions that are happening. So developers heave a sigh of relief until a couple days later when Lotus says, we disagree with Apple and we are now filing suit against some of these developers. So they file suit against, you know, very popular but still small-time independent developers. You know, companies, um, you know, the Icon Factory, the company behind Twitterific, which is a very popular Twitter app, for example, is one of the companies now hit by a lawsuit waiting to see, is Apple going to step in and help them out with defending themselves against Lotus? Well, that's the important point here. I think Apple has no choice. I mean, I think you're exactly right. If Apple doesn't step in, then they have an extremely threatened ecosystem. Apple does not want to see the the App Store money machine and customer creating machine go away. But how Apple steps in and whether Apple's going to take on case after case with these developers or just pay for their legal fees or how that's going to happen, Apple hasn't said yet. Well, Apple could file friend of the court briefs or what they could do is demand that all the cases be made into one, not have separate cases, but demand one case and they will take charge in defending their developers. I don't think they have much of a choice, do they? No, I agree. And now what's interesting is this whole story, at least in the press that I'm reading, is focused, and I'm as guilty this as anybody else, is focused on the Mac side. But um, a couple of Android developers are being sued too, and I haven't heard Google say anything about it. Google has the same patent licenses that Apple has, but Google hasn't said publicly, as far as I can tell, yes, we think our developers are covered with our licensing, and yes, we're going to help them or not help them or anything. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Lex Friedman from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app You Gotta See This by Boing Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash see this. 
Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, June 3rd, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1531.40. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1570.19, 785.09 for a half ounce, and 392.58 for a quarter ounce. That's 1570.19, 785.09, and 392.58. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore or trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I have teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $440 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 Food prices are spiraling out of control. In order to survive, you will soon need to produce some or all of your own food in your backyard or small farm. Many years ago, sought-after radio guest Marjorie Wildcraft and her family began working to find the easiest ways to grow food for the crisis we are now facing. Marjorie created a video that is the fastest way to learn how to grow food. You'll learn the most efficient gardening methods, myths and truths of orchards and edible landscaping, effective predator protection, and even home butchering. Everyone is talking about Marjorie's DVD, and it's highly recommended by Jim Rawls, Jack Spurko, and Bountiful Gardens. Read her free reports on how to have a green thumb, making free fertilizer, and answers the question, do you need a gun to garden? If you want the security, savings, and freedom of food self-reliance, buy Marjorie's DVD and get the free reports at BackyardFoodProduction.com. Again, that's BackyardFoodProduction.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com We return with Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're talking about this small company, Lodesys, that feels it can sue iOS developers, but you know what? It's not so much there's a danger of those developers going to Android because they're being sued too for the same reasons. And 
the question here is, what will Google do? Or is Google going to say, well, they're independent companies, they're on their own? Because right now, Google hasn't done all that much so far when malware erupts on the Android platform. There's a story just the other day that the Android platform is the number two source or place where you can get malware, number one being Windows. Wow. And you know, that's, um, Google points to its openness as the, the reason that that sort of thing can happen. You know, they say that by definition, since they're open, they don't police their app store and anybody can sell anything. And so customers have to have the, the caveat emptor approach. Well, that's really true. You know, just relax. You're using your smartphone. You see this great app. Oh, wait a minute. Do I have virus software? What is this going to be? What's it going to do to me? Is it going to take over my computer? Is it going to compromise my bank accounts? Now, is that one of the reasons why the fast growth of the Google Android operating system is flattening a little bit? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And uh, there was a report that came out, I, I guess, at the uh, end of last week that showed that although there are you know plenty of developers moving to Android or who are also building Android apps, that almost none of them are making money. You know, where the App Store can sell, the, the iOS App Store, I mean, can sell 500,000 or a million copies of multiple apps it, just to United States customers just in a month. Very few Android apps can hit that even when you look at international sales and you look at it over a six-month time frame. So, I mean, Android is open and, you know, some developers are uh, appreciative of that fact, I suppose. But uh, it's very, very difficult to make money there and few developers are. It's the other side of open. If it's too open, it can cause chaos. Exactly. And the question is here, we understand with personal computers, people have more control over the nuts and bolts of their operating system. But when it comes to things like a smartphone, you know, it's this tiny appliance. It's an appliance. It's not a personal computer. You shouldn't have to undergo the same pain and agony. I agree completely. And it's, I mean, and it's tricky because I, I understand Google's perspective. And I, frankly, I don't even mind it because I think it just does more to, it does more to show that what they mean by open really isn't open so much as hands off when it's convenient for us. And I think that that proves that what people mislabel or misses, you know, when people wrongly assume that Apple's quote unquote closed nature thus harms its platform, I think this is exactly what you point to. I mean, uh, iPhone users don't battle these problems ever. There's, you know, no case of normal iPhone users encountering any kind of malware that negatively impacted their device. I think that really weakens the argument that of closed versus open. Well, it's not like a desktop computer where because of the nature of the beast, it's always going to be more open than a portable computing appliance. So thus, we're now seeing, as we mentioned with Kirk McElhern in the first part of the show, there is this approach from Apple to release a defense against this Mac Defender, which is, of course, a scare where it's the fake application that pretends to scan your macroviruses, but all they're doing is taking your money. So it's basically fraudulent software. That kind of thing can happen on the Mac platform because traditionally it's been relatively open. Really. That's right. I mean, you have to look at something here. You have a Unix-based operating system. You have the power to go to a command line interface and do all sorts of incredible stuff if that's your plan, you know. It's not a complete closed system. There's a lot of open source software there. But you also have the other side being that there are going to be malware threats. But in a case like this, you're being persuaded, enticed, or scared into installing software that doesn't do anything. Now, with the iOS, Apple's the curator. So if they see the software doesn't work, it doesn't get approved. Even if software works, it may not get approved for other reasons. 
Yep. What's amazing to me with that Mac Defender story you mentioned is how big a story that became because it's so rare that Mac users encounter anything like this. You know, what's what's unique, I think, about Mac Defender isn't just that it's, you know, the rare semi-popular or semi-well-known Mac Trojan horse, but that it's really something that only preys on humans and their, you know, valuable brains versus their computers and any relative weakness there. Because the the only way to install Mac Defender is to double click it because you want to install it. And the only way you can get your credit card information is if you type it in. So it's 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 really, you know, preying on, you know, our willingness to be fooled and our, our you know our, our weakness in terms of being gullible much more than it is on any lack of security on the Mac itself. Well still does Apple need to be more proactive even in adding these so-called virus definitions, I understand there have been variations of Mac Defender since Apple released a security update for Snow Leopard users. So now they have to update it again. They get into the same game as the regular companies who put out and software of this nature that suddenly they've got to release daily updates. I assume they have a department that can do this without a problem, but still. Now, Apple has already published a second uh, update to its virus or malware definition file. You know, and people who downloaded the security update after June 1st, after midday June 1st, already have it, and people who didn't, their Mac should update over to get it over the next 24 or so hours. Uh, I think it's obvious to me that uh, Apple's going to have to slightly change how it's doing things, because right now, the way they've set up their malware detection algorithm, they've got to send a new update for each new Mac Defender variant. And, you know, I, I believe that Apple has definitions for variants A, B, and C, and the bad guys are up to G at this point. So uh, there's, there's ways, and, you know, various third-party Mac antivirus companies already do this. There's ways that Apple could say, we're going to detect future variants of this without having to manually define each one. They're going to have to do that at some point, or they're going to be publishing these updates multiple times a day. What antivirus software publishers do is they will examine behavior, suspicious behavior. If something looks like a duck, they assume it probably is a duck, whereas Apple is just looking for hard-coded signatures, right? Exactly right. And uh, so, I mean, Apple is clearly smart enough to understand what it's doing right and what it could do better. Again, this is a situation where the Apple's steps that it's already taken, I think, are good. You know, the fact that it's now doing daily updates to check to see if there are new definitions, that it's quarantining and removing Mac Defender as soon as it finds it on your Mac. I think that's all smart. The challenge, like I was saying, is that this is mostly a failure of human security and not Mac security. So I think that Apple has to keep on being strict about it and has to come up with, like we said, you know, ways of detecting the behavior rather than just trying to get every single variant, every single nuance of tweaks uh, captured in their, you know, in their definitions file. But uh, I think the company's doing okay. <laughs> I'm optimistic that whatever they announce in line on the security side will just make that process even smoother. But then again, how much should Apple replace the functions of a third-party company? We have quite a number of antivirus apps for the Mac now. You know, more than half a dozen. We have freebies. We have companies like Indigo that produce a free, no-frills anti-malware scanner or something like Virus Barrier, which does a whole bunch of stuff. It's got antivirus protection, phishing protection, spyware protection, all this stuff that we're used to or confront on the Windows platform, but they do it on a Mac platform. But the other thing the virus softwares do is they also look for Windows viruses. Everybody out there, you probably write letters to people who use Windows. And you don't want to be the one who spreads a virus because your friend or relative, and maybe you don't like him, you don't care, but we assume you do, (laughs) 
because they're using another computing platform. You don't want to be the typhoid Mary or the typhoid Marty and infect their computer by mistake. So what these products do is they look for Windows viruses to the kind that might be passed by email. We're passing along here Lex Friedman from his palatial estate in New Jersey. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com, that's Z-E-O-King.com, for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an Aqua Rain water filtration system. The American-made Aqua Rain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to aquarain.com that's 800-572-2051 or aquarain.com every family needs an aquarain if you're concerned about radiation poisoning from japan in the air water or food and can't find potassium iodide go to restoreyourhealthnow.com and choose liquid zeolite 
Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live. We were talking about security on the Mac, how far Apple should go or how far they should leave to the province of third-party providers. Certainly, Microsoft has more capabilities, antivirus, in the operating system in Windows 7, so perhaps Apple has to at least provide the basics of protection and let the third parties fill in the gaps. But like I was saying, one thing that may make it more useful or valuable or important to have these third-party apps is to protect your Windows-using friends against their own mistakes. Right. Should Mac users be cautious? Sure. Rich Mogul had a great piece on Macworld about this. You know, the, I don't think that you have to suddenly live in fear or fear that because of the Mac surging popularity that now it's going to be a, a massive target that's going to suffer massive attacks from, from bad guys. I think the fact is that some jerks are always going to create software that's got evil intentions and you have to be on guard and you have to be vigilant. I, I think Mac users can safely say that they don't have to, to run around panicky or, or unplug their computers and head for the hills. Well, not this week, next week. Right. But you see, that's part of the problem, too. Certain elements of the press look at the sky is falling. Since this problem happened, as you know, being a member of the technology press, you see a lot of your colleagues are saying, look at this. Do you hear me, Ed Bot? Look at this. <laughs> you know, it's going to be the same thing on the Mac platform as on the Windows platform. Now, in a recent issue of Consumer Reports, they have an article that states specifically that several billions of dollars every year are lost due to computers that are completely impossible to rebuild, have to be replaced, or because of malware. Of course, 100% of those losses, or 99.9%, are in the Windows platform. If there's any loss in the Mac platform, it's going to be that number of people who bought licenses in Mac Defender and paid for things that they didn't have to pay for. They were defrauded out of that money. I suppose they can go back to their credit card issuer and say, I was fooled into paying this. Would you reverse the charge? Can't they do right. that? Yeah, in theory they could. And again, like you're saying, you know, it's their computer itself really hasn't been harmed. You know, they've installed software they don't need, and it's watching them. But to, to remove it is a snap, and Apple does it for you for free. Uh, then you're safe to go. But I think you're exactly right, Gene. That no, no one is ever going to. Uh, no one I've ever known of has had to throw out a Mac because of malware that that Mac has been infested with. It's just not a problem that we deal with on our side of the fence. And with Windows, if your Windows computer is infected, really seriously infected, you're going to have to wipe the drive, hope you have a ready backup, rebuild your computer. It's not as easy as restoring a Mac. 
It's a lot more complicated. You've got to reinstall all your applications, go through all this, you know, rigmarole just because you were infected. It is a real mess. And when they say a computer can be destroyed, well, yeah, you know, maybe it's not worth the expense of having to rebuild everything. So you say, I'll throw it out, send it to the recycle bin. We hope you send it to the recycle bin if you're throwing it out and buy a new one. We understand that. Right. So now, what do you think? Does Macworld Magazine or Lex Friedman on his lonesome recommend that Mac users install security software yet or what? No. No, I, I mean, I, I won't presume to speak for Macworld, but I would presume to speak for everyone who works for it. Uh, but I don't think any of us would endorse buying third-party antivirus software or even installing free third-party antivirus software uh, because there's such a little threat. Uh, right now, Apple is hypervigilant about this sort of thing, just out in, in the wake of the negative press that the company has received from the Mac Defender imbroglio. So it, uh, I think that you're safe. And I think as long as you let your Mac update itself each day and you, you don't change the, the new default preference to automatically update the what files need to be quarantined list, I think you're fine. I don't think you have to worry about anything. Actually, there's actually one easier method there, which is there's an option Safari, open safe files after downloading, uncheck it. And if, if Apple doesn't turn that checkbox off by default in line, I'll be very surprised because that one is very, you know, they even put safe in quotes in that preference. It says open and then in quotes, safe files after downloading. And the truth is only you can decide if a file is safe and Safari can't. And I think you're exactly right. If you haven't unchecked that box, go do it under general in Safari's preferences. Right. I have unchecked it, by the way. Good. I really have. Because I don't care. I know what I download. I think I know what I download. Of course, as I get older and more feeble, I will not know what I download. But I also have to think I'm in touch with lots of Mac users out there. And I know that they get all this stuff coming to them and they don't have time to consider all the fineries of this. And I understand, you know, even in the Windows platform, you have people who use Windows and they want to be protected too. But, you know, their antivirus protection expires. They forgot to upgrade to Windows 7. You know, it's very expensive. I have to buy a new PC. You see the problems there and why billions of dollars are lost every year. But in yep. the end, you know, it's going to be the responsibility of the customer, not the company, to basically protect yourself. I mean, exactly. the tools are out there. Like, you know, if you want to protect your home, you get like ADT. It's one of our sponsor partners. They sell burglar alarm systems here in the USA. And you can do that and you'll be protected. It doesn't mean that somebody couldn't get in if they want to anyway. You know, if you've watched enough of those action movies with police breaking in, you know, there's always a way. But it protects you. It discourages people from coming there. If people knew that more and more people on the Mac platform are practicing safe computing, they're not going to be as inclined to do it. As long as Internet criminals can make the money, and that's very important, as long as Internet criminals can make millions and millions of dollars from Mac users, the unwary Mac user who gives their credit card number for scareware or something, they'll continue to do it. So when you stop buying that junk and you pay attention to what you're doing, they go out of business. That's it. They have no customers. You don't have a company. If there's no customers for a business, that company goes under. You're exactly right. And it's, I mean, at this point, no Mac user should think that the solution to any kind of, any one of these problems is going to be to, to buy software they've never heard of. <laughs> if, you know, when folks are seeing this and like you said, Scareware, when they're seeing this and seeing the name Mac Defender or Mac Guard or whatever it is, if you haven't heard of it, or if you Google for it and you can't find something from a reputable site like Macworld talking about its virtues, then it doesn't have any and you should stay away from it. Right. That's an important thing too about downloading software. Any hints to our listeners about 
the best processes for finding and downloading software other than, of course, going to the Mac App Store? You stole my answer. But I mean, the truth is, just like we talked about with the iPhone side, if you go to the iOS app store, you know those apps have been vetted in some way by Apple, and you know that they're at least going to try to do what they say on the tin. Sure, but of course, with the iOS operating system, unless you jailbreak your iPhone or iPad, you have no choice. That's right. And with the Mac, you have a choice. And I I certainly, I get more software directly from the web than I do from the Mac App Store. But if you're really scared and you're nervous, check to see if the software you're after is available on the Mac App Store. At least then you'll know how reputable it is or if Apple's given it that uh, that sign-off that it's, you can trust what you see there. Now, the only downside to that is certain types of software are not available there and can't be available. You're exactly right. You know, the, especially, funnily enough, most antivirus software won't be available on the Mac App Store and backup software won't be available on the Mac App Store because of the privileges it needs. You're not allowed to have anything that needs, you know, root-level access to your drive in the Mac App Store. But They're going to have to change that. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, six months ago or even a year ago, I'd agree with Eugene, and I think now that Apple's Apple's been very content to sort of settle into its ways, even though it creates difficulty there. I think Apple's okay saying if you want to have, you know, more antivirus or more backup software than the stuff that we offer, if, if time machine is not enough for you, you have to get it yourself. I, I think Apple's going to be a okay, not letting it into the app store. I know that one of the app developers that we work with Ambrosia software has a product called wiretap studio and it has an installer and installs what they call a kernel extension to capture audio from Skype from the internet. They're looking at ways experimenting with ways to allow it not to have to work that way with the installer, just like a drag-and-drop installation, self-contained, so they can get it into the Mac App Store, because that means a lot of business they can gain they would not otherwise achieve. Yep, and it's, I mean, to me, it's amazing the number of developers that are saying, we're only going to sell our apps in the Mac App Store, because there's clearly a benefit there. But, I mean, I think, like we said, the key things to staying safe, regardless of how or where you're downloading apps, is, one, to turn off that preference in Safari. Don't let files open themselves automatically. Give yourself a chance to review it. And the reason for that, by the way, is that a lot of times people are installing Mac Defender without even knowing it. If you go to a, a web page, a maliciously crafted web page can automatically start the software download, and the downloads window might be behind another browser window. You're not even going to know what's happening. And if you don't want Safari to start launching that stuff for you automatically. But you turn that off, and then you make sure that the, you know, if you see software, and it looks great before you start running it google it see if you can find other people talking about its greatness and it's you know if if you trust the sources who celebrate that app then i think you can feel confident in installing it we have lex friedman from Macworld magazine for one more segment i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night now live so here's what happened i was placing an order online The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. Its price is just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter. 
ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available and all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroit 60 cap summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123CheapSolarVideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123CheapSolarVideo.com right now. Our website again is 123CheapSolarVideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine joining us. We're talking about all things Apple. A lot of issues. We explored, of course, what might be happening with Apple at the Worldwide Developers Conference. When many of you listen to the show, I expect that a lot of the suggestions we've made will be basically outdated or inaccurate. Like I said, I think Apple should sell Lion for $29 like Snow Leopard. The cheapest operating system upgrades. Apple's been cutting the price on operating systems. We're not going to debate it. Why? Because we'll know the answer 
by the time most people hear this. We've been talking about security on the Mac, certainly hoping that things are better. Now, part of the problem also is if you use Snow Leopard, you can get Apple's protection such as it is. If you use Leopard 10.5, you didn't upgrade to Snow Leopard, you don't get that protection. They don't That's have right. that extra antivirus protection. I wonder how many people still use Leopard. And you know, it's. I think that that's always been Apple's way for as long as I can remember. Apple wants you to upgrade, and Apple wants you to move forward. And I don't think it's. I mean, clearly, it's a good business decision. If you're forced to upgrade, then that's you know that's the way it is. But you know, to your point about the the twenty nine dollar price tag, Apple's clearly been embracing a model of software generally being cheaper with the Mac App Store. Apple's priced its own software for less than the Mac App Store than it ever had before, and if they're going to keep requiring that you upgrade to the latest versions of their software to stay safe on your computer, it makes sense to make the overall cost a bit cheaper then, right? Almost goes back to the original Mac OS. Remember, this goes back to the 1980s and early 1990s until Apple changed their ways. You used to be able to get every operating system upgrade free. I mean, you didn't have much downloading. You go to your local Mac users group or a dealer and they make a copy on floppy disks for you. Then Apple decided in the early 90s to charge $99 for operating system upgrades. Mac users protested mightily, and Apple was undergoing all sorts of things. Then Apple instituted a $129 price for Mac OS X, which we accepted. And then with the Mac App Store and with Snow Leopard at $29, I think Apple's realized it's making amazing amounts of money from the sale of hardware. The operating system is basically just a part of the product. It's not something in and of itself. It's not like Microsoft. Microsoft can't charge $29 for Windows, except, of course, if you're a manufacturer and you buy like 4,000 copies or 4 million copies, suddenly what they call the OEM price of Windows is like a fraction. Right. Of what you have to pay. But a normal person goes to their consumer electronics store and buys a copy of Windows. It's $199. It's $299. You know, that's Microsoft's bread and butter. Apple doesn't need income from operating system. They just sell enough, charge enough just to produce the product. That's it. Exactly right. And I mean, you know, the, the new versions of the operating systems don't write themselves, but I think you're right that Apple, it doesn't even have to treat it as a loss leader. I'm sure that even at $29, Snow Leopard became a profit center for the company after selling enough copies, but they, they don't have to milk the operating system for as much profit as they want. If it's going to make the overall experience better and, like you're saying, drive more hardware sales, there's no reason not to price it aggressively. Yeah, it's the, totally different. And also, look, with the iOS, it's free. You know, I'm not charging you for the iOS for your iPhone or iPad. So it may not be that Apple will go back to the beginning with Mac OS X like they did with the original Mac OS when the upgrades were free. They're not going to do that. I don't see how they're going to do that, although I don't know. Maybe you'll be able to download it free. How would that be? I mean, that's, and then that's if you want to buy a physical copy on a DVD with the packaging, you pay nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine or something. Right. I mean, it's you're certainly right that they keep releasing, you know, fairly significant updates to the to the iOS, and those are free to everybody for a while because of accounting reasons. They were charging, you know, token fees to iPod Touch users, but uh, you're right. They that was keep an releasing. accounting issue, wasn't it? Exactly right. But now that they've gotten over that, now those iOS updates keep being free to everybody, and the the way they charge you is. Those updates don't work with older devices. You know, my wife has an iPhone 3G, and she can't run multitasking on it. She can't upgrade to future versions of iOS. And I kind of Uh, expect you're going to see that in the future. Right now, the reports are, by the way, with regard to the iOS 5, the 3GS is not going to be supported. It's going to be the iPhone 4, the iPhone 5, with Lion already 
apparently it doesn't support so-called 32-bit processors, the first generation of Intel chips in 2006. So it supports 2007 and beyond. Any Mac in the last four years could run Lion, but the older ones, even the Intel base, will not. Right. And so then, you know, they're, they're still charging you the price of your upgrade fee, but instead of charging it to you on the software side, they're doing it by forcing you to upgrade your hardware. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's entirely a capitalistic move, although it certainly is one. I think it's also just that they want the, the experience to be right. And if they feel like Lion requires the 64-bit processor, if they feel like iOS 5 requires the beefier processor that's in an iPhone 4 that a 3GS just can't handle, uh, I mean, I trust them to make that decision wisely. You do trust them. Isn't that pushing it a little bit too far? Well, uh, listen, I mean, uh, like I said, there, there's clearly an economic benefit to doing it too. But I mean, I've seen how slow my wife's iPhone 3G or my original iPod touches already. I can compare it to the iPhone 4 side by side, and I wouldn't want to try to run iMovie on my uh, my original iPod touch. It couldn't possibly handle it. It's just not the right kind of equipment. So certainly it's a business decision, but I think it's also one that they want to make sure that if they're if you're going to run iOS 5, they don't want you to hate it. I mean, you can remember how much, uh, you know, iPhone... I think it was 3G users complained about general slowdowns they had just with the, the limited version of iOS 4 that they were able to upgrade to. And they said, you know, Apple's rendered my, my 3G barely usable. I want to revert to the old version of the operating system. And I think, you know, Apple was caught there. What do you do? Do you release it and not let the 3Gs use it at all so they complain they're not allowed? Or do you release it and it runs slower on their older hardware and they complain about that? Well, they did kind of make it a little bit better over time. But that's the issue Apple has to just sell. Look, here's why we can't make it run on the older systems. People are demanding more performance. We're giving them more performance, but there's just so much you can milk an old phone for, and especially phones, because phones tend to be disposable. It's not like a computer. You expect to keep it four, five, six, eight, ten years. So if you say, okay, older than four or five years, we're not going to get the new operating system upgrades, that sounds sensible. But for a phone, two years is the same sensibility, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's fair. It's how often you dispose of it. Then, of course, it comes down to that again. With a mobile phone, you have restrictions on resource use. Memory is constrained. Storage space is constrained. Processor speed is constrained. You can never change that. You can't just upgrade to a new processor or a new storage device. So you either stop developing or making your product better, or or you make it better and say this older hardware it's not going to work. There's no physical way to do that. And it, like you're saying, you know, the, the phones cost a couple hundred bucks with, with contract. If you have to replace your Mac, if you had to replace your Mac every two years and you'd spent more than a thousand bucks on it, that becomes significantly more of a financial burden on the average consumer. So you think, you know, if someone has a computer more than four years old, they're probably not paying for the latest and greatest software anyway. That's, That's also right. part of the reason. And I think some people intentionally keep those computers because they don't want to upgrade their software and they prefer, you know, like we said, Lion isn't going to support the old Rosetta technologies. You're not going to be able to run PowerPC native apps on Lion at all anymore. And so folks who cling to, you know, Microsoft Word 5 or cling to older versions of, of software aren't going to want to upgrade anyway because they're not going to want to lose their access to that software. Cling to the older computers. I have a friend who keeps asking me advice on upgrading his Power Mac G4 from, what, <laughs> 2002 or 2003. Right. Now, he knows there's a lot of stuff he can't get and won't be able to get, a lot of upgrades he won't be able to get. But he adds it all up, and he says, you know what? I'll buy the Mac. Then I buy the upgrades for all my software. And suddenly I'm paying an arm and a leg, and I can't justify that expense. If I can be productive with a 2002 or 2003 Power Mac, I'll keep it running. 
as long as I can. And then, you know, ultimately, when it reaches that point, I'll buy everything new, but not now. Right. And, you know, I, uh, I tend to keep my Macs for as long as I can. I, you know, I certainly get jealous every time I see a new Mac out there. But I was using a, a, an iPhone 3GS up until just last month, you know, when I um, finally decided it was time to upgrade to the 4. Even knowing that the 5 may be on the horizon sometime this year, I, I felt like uh, the 3GS didn't fail me, and I was happy to keep using it. Lex Friedman, where do we find more of the stuff you do? Macworld.com is the best place to go, and you can also find me at LexFriedman.com. Okay, Sky's own site isn't that terrific. You can find more of the things we do. We're on Twitter, Tech Night Owl at Twitter, Tech Night Owl at Twitter. You can write me, news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com. You can check my daily commentaries at technightowl.com and check out our other great radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, conspiracies, Area 51 and more, the Paracast at paracast.com. That's paracast.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live this week, a special thanks first to our original guest, Kirk McElhern, and now Lex Friedman. Thanks for joining us this week on the show. Thank you. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.